The Tumbling Saber Podcast is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts. Visit our base at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. It's time for episode 139 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. My name's Kyle. I'm Corey. I'm Michelle. And I'm Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to get that in there now because uh, Carlos is not with us just yet. He will be here momentarily. Uh, so he'll be with us in spirit for the first few moments of the show. But uh, let's uh, let's uh, say hello to everybody out there. Thanks, everybody, for listening again this week. Excited to have you with us. We've I think we have a pretty packed show this week. Show notes look, look pretty robust, so I'm excited to get into this stuff. But uh, how are you guys doing? Michelle, good weekend? Yeah, it was a good week. I went to um, A New Hope and uh, Empire Strikes Back like live in concert. So we went to the Hollywood Bowl, which is an outdoor like amphitheater venue, and we got to watch the movies like on big screens and then the LA Philharmonic played live score so they just played the orchestra played the whole time during the movie and it was like super fun the one thing that I was sad about was that like my friend and I were complaining because um they're not doing Return of the Jedi until next summer (laughs) so it's like we got to watch two in the same week (laughs) and then we're like but the third one though (laughs) we have to wait a year for this but it's so fantastic. It's one of my favorite things to go do is the live-in concert of a film. And, like, there's just something different about seeing those movies on a really big screen that I noticed things about the movie that I didn't notice, like, the last few times I watched it. So it was fun to get to see that. that. And so cool. Yeah, and it was so funny because, you know, we are talking about the Muppets on Sith Disturbers and... Like, I forgot how how much Frank Oz's Yoda voice reminds me of his Fozzie bear. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> while he was, like, I didn't also, like, it's always so funny to see how sexual, like, the whole, like, Yoda and Luke training sessions can be when he's, like, breathing <laughs> on his neck and stuff on a big screen. And that voice just made me laugh so hard. There's, like, so much great humor in the original trilogy that I like really love um, that it's just not the droids or anything like one character that's providing it. It's like a lot of the characters. Well, have Empire, really Empire has, people say Empire is dark and it is, but it has a lot of jokes. It's dark, but it's really funny. There's a lot like, of funny jokes. So, so funny. Like it was, it was great. Like, and it was really cool too, because Billy D. Williams was an empire and, it kind of prepped me for him coming back for nine, and I got really excited. So, um, I, yeah. I want to ask about the, this concert, though. Who was conducting? Uh, so for these concerts, uh, conductor was David Newman, um, and he does a lot of the, the L.A. Phil uh, movie stuff. Um, is that, and then, is that uh, Randy Newman's brother, by chance? I'm not sure. I bet you it is. Potentially. <laughs> I bet it is. Um, 
Yeah, and then uh, on the 2nd of September, um, John Williams is doing a special 40th anniversary concert. Um, and when I'm going to that as well, but, oh. uh, so that they do the same thing. They put the big screens up. There's like a huge screen in the front with two small screens on the sides. And then there's like two screens on each side of the amphitheater, um, going up. So the people in the, in the peanut gallery can also see like us. And, um, and then so for John Williams, he does all of his most famous tracks and then they, show the screens of all those films while he's playing them. So he'll do a segment of Harry Potter and a segment of Indy and a segment of Jaws and a segment of Star Wars. And he'll do all of those things. That's so um, cool. Which I got to go to a little bit last year, but this year is supposed to be like really grand. And I think they're having fireworks and stuff because it's the 40th anniversary. So I like bought those tickets like as part of my subscription in like March because I knew I wouldn't like be able to get tickets and I mean, they're, um, they're really stretching this 40th anniversary gig. Like, really, oh, it yeah. was last year, but hey, what the hell? Yeah. Why not do it again this year? He did it, too. But I think when they did it last year, it was, like, right when they showed it in at the Hollywood Bowl. It was, like, right before the anniversary date. So he did one, but it wasn't technically 40th anniversary. And I think this is, like, the tail end of his, like, show dates. Because usually at Hollywood Bowl is, like, the last stop that, a lot of artists or musicians or conductors take when they're on tour. That's interesting. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. I, Michelle, really I am, I am very, 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 very jealous. So I'm not going to talk about this anymore because I'm just going to get yep. more resentful. All my collecting stuff is from that event anyway. So. Oh, geez. Well, you cued us up there. So Corey, I, I was going to gloss over the collecting update, but Corey said, no, I got something this week. So let yeah, us in, whatever. Corey. What, what have you got? I Picked up the Range Trooper finally. The Black Series? Yeah. As if there's That's... anything else, right? Yeah, I had to had to get it, man. He's got that furry cape and stuff. I think it's I think awesome. the Range Troopers are all all Kanye fans. <clears throat> they have to be. If they're wearing fur like that, they have to be Kanye fans. They just want to be warm. It's cold out there on the frontier, man. I suppose it is, though it shouldn't don't shouldn't the snow troopers also be wearing fur? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe their suits. Maybe they got a little more advanced in their technology at that point. Plus, these guys are at like. It seems like they're in the outer rim. So. I don't know. This is, the range. Don't get me wrong. The range troopers are super cool, but they, I wonder if they're a little redundant in, t in terms of their winter gear, or maybe not redundant enough. It's, it's strange. It's anyway, strange. it's su this super nice. Love it. Uh, is that it? Yeah, pretty much. Right. It's a good weekend though. Like even just before the show, I don't know if you guys want to get out there tonight. I know, Kyle, I think you're on vacation, so yeah, I I'm in the, am. Perse the, the Perseid meteor shower. I was out there, <clears throat> the sun just went down, but I still managed to catch about five shooting stars so far. Like, I was like, yeah. Yeah, I might, uh, after we're done recording here, I might shoot outside for a few minutes and, and check that out. But Michelle, I'm going to turn it over to you. What did you grab at these Hollywood Bowl concerts? Um, I got these really cool like exclusive t-shirts that are for the concert and then i got this cool poster um that has the dates and everything and then i think i got like a ten dollar fake lightsaber thing that like lights up in like 20 different colors that we were all like putting in the air if you've seen my photos on twitter you'll see what they look like um and i think that was it was that it Oh, I got some books. Um, I got 
the Canto Bite book and Most Wanted and Last Shot and, and the and then oh I got a book sleeve that has um it's like a Halloween theme that has like sugar skulls like type designs on Vader's helmet and uh, Boba Fett's helmet and like an X-wing and stuff that um I'm getting in the mail soon. So nice. those are my collection updates. Very <laughs> nice. So uh, he, he's here now. Carlos, any collecting updates for you this week? Look at that, that integration like a pro. Look at this. Uh, his mic's not on. <laughs> so much for that. Not so much uh, like a pro. Oh, well. Well, uh, you know what? I posted on Friday night uh, as I, I strolled into my Walmart again, as I always do, like a moth to a flame. I don't want to buy anything, but I need to see what's there. I'm sure collectors know that impulse, right? Right. It's like, it's not in the budget this week. I can't do it. But damn it, I need to see what's on the pegs. So I go check out uh, the, the toy section at my local Walmart, and they've added a couple new blue, Black Series figures. And I was like, oh, man, like they're, they're really torturing me now. But um, what they actually what they've done is whenever you used to walk down the toy aisle, Star Wars was the first thing you were greeted with. And it's been that way for years. But now Star Wars toys have been sh- like shafted like two-thirds of the way down the aisle. And the first third is all Transformers now. And so they had this new line of original G1 Transformers in the old vintage packaging. But with updated looking, better looking figures. And I posted a couple of those to the Tumbling Saber Facebook group. Oh, the restraint it took me to not buy those. And then all you guys in the group. You... You rat enablers. Tell me, do it, do it, buy it. You deserve it. Go treat yourself. You like watching me squirm. Cause I, I, it took me a lot of discipline to not buy them. And you guys egged me on. So I had to go in there and I bought the Bumblebee. I had to get that little G1 Bumblebee. It's just so cool looking. And uh, it just, yeah, it reminds me of all those Transformers I had when we were kids, Corey. It was, it's, it's, they're really cool to look at. But the Starscream is going to sit on those pegs because for 50 bucks, not going to do it. Yeah, that's, that's odd. I ain't ain't going to uh, do it. I ain't going to nice. do it. Nice. Not a chance. Especially You're since like right it's next to it. It's all packaging, man. It's all packaging right next to it on the shelf. So you have like the regular Starscream in this G1 packaging. Right next to it is a bigger, better looking Starscream for $29.99. Like what? You're literally paying a huge markup for a box. I don't get it. I mean, I do get it, but I'm I'm not going to be getting it. So yeah, that's that. Uh, Carlos, anything to add yes. to your collection this week? No, I, I let you go first, uh, Kyle. It was it was on, I did it on purpose. Uh, it's it always age before beauty when it comes to uh, <laughs> to the collecting updates. Uh, no, my uh, phantom power was off on the mic like a jackass. I was talking and I'm like, why aren't they listening? Why aren't they hearing me? Uh, but I'm here. I'm here now, and uh, all is good. And uh, short story. Uh, no collecting update from me this week. Fair enough. Someone, someone's got to save their money. <laughs> I actually made some money tonight. I, I, uh, the reason why I'm late guys, is I actually played my first show in over two and a half years. And, uh, Congratulations. I, uh, thank you very much. And, uh, I was nervous as hell. And I, I came out of it, uh, smiling. I have some great videos that I'm going to be able to post up and I actually made money this week as opposed to spending money on toys. So, uh, yeah, all around, uh, a good weekend for me. Good stuff. There you go, man. 
So the voice is all primed. You've got the whole singing thing out of the way. Now you can get to the serious bit, which is the podcast. Holy cow! <laughs> <laughs> the voice. You know, I was so nervous that the voice wasn't gonna hack. It was wasn't gonna handle it. I I chose uh, eleven songs on my set list, and I was like, ooh, after eight, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to. Uh, but I, I killed it. It was uh, it was awesome. I, I, j- I got better, actually, as the, the set went on. So, uh, yeah, man. Good. Uh, feels good, man. Um, feels good being alive. Yeah, you, you sound different this week. And it's not because of the mic. It just you, Well, the kids aren't here. So, look. So, this is another thing. So, <laughs> that's, that's, that'll help. <laughs> the kids uh, have, a, have a new schedule. Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty clear to everyone that uh, I went through a separation. And... Um, and I uh, had to do things uh, uh, with the uh, the aid of a lawyer and uh, to, to to get my schedule uh, fixed right with my uh, with uh, little Jr. And it worked out. And this was my first weekend uh, without uh, little Jr., which kind of you know kind of sucks because I, I still love the little guy. But it it, it kind of worked out in a way that um, I was able to actually uh, enjoy Friday and Saturday night in Montreal and play a show and then rush home. And uh, jump on the podcast, and I don't have to close any doors or close any lights, and it's it's perfect. So I'm in a good mood, guys. Good. <laughs> then we can have a good podcast. Let's 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 get to it then. Uh, uh, don't don't put that pressure on me. <laughs> Jesus. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, just just a quick thing here before we really get into some cool news this week. Uh, the the Disney streaming service don't look to have any of the episodes one through six on the service at launch in Q4 2019 uh, because Disney. They sold off the TV rights to the OT and to the prequels to TBS, Turner Broadcasting, uh, just a couple years ago. I think they sold it for like a quarter billion dollars. And then they Disney tried to get it back, uh, and that apparently has not worked out. And this, this all seems really odd to me, but I don't think there's one Star Wars fan out there who's going to look at this situation and go, oh... I, I'm not getting that Disney st- streaming service unless those six movies are on it. Like these are all movies we own multiple times anyway, right? So it, it, I don't know. Is this going to hold up for you guys? It. I'm not happy about it. I was I was expecting them to be there because I don't want to have to dig into my DVDs. I don't want to. I just want to pop it in. That's that's why I, I go digital. That's why I have all my all the all the movies uh, from the Force Awakens. I have them all on on digital, and it, that's the the appeal to me is just. Opening the 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 app of Netflix or opening the app of of Disney and just watching the movie I want to watch, it's it does it does, uh, it, it does uh, rub me the yeah it rubs me the wrong way. I do have a DVD player. That's not that's not an issue. I still don't have a TV. I'm watching everything on my iMac, but uh, I, I I assume I could hook up my DVD player to the iMac. Anybody know about that stuff? Yeah, you can. Know. Yeah, so that's it. So. Um, Hi, Michelle. Uh, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So, uh, but I, I just—it's just a convenience factor. I just—it bugs me. I don't know. Am I? Well, am I, I, my I feel like it's realistic. Like usually, when they sell these these rights off, I mean, it's it, the films are on Netflix, they're on HBO, they're on TBS broadcasting. If you think about it, like usually when there's an, a new streaming platform or something. They usually give people a little bit of time before they start subscribing because people aren't going to automatically go ahead and subscribe. And like a lot of people, I think lay people who might be watching like the films, they don't watch. They might not feel like they have other things that are 
I don't know, worth subscribing to the service for. Like, for example, like the Disney service is going to have a lot of like children content as well. And like if other people, they are subscribed to things like Netflix, Hulu and other like regular and they pay for regular cable, like they might not need feel the need to do that at the beginning or they might want to wait a while before they hop on the service because there might be bugs and usually it takes about a year for things to kind of settle i they probably just kind of sold the rights because it just makes more sense and it's more the audience will be more widespread because more people will have tbs than you know having to pay as part of their plan as opposed to having to pay another thing on top of that yeah i don't know it just it seemed kind of obvious to me that that's what they would do and then after a while when the rest of those kind of deals will re-up they'll probably negotiate a deal where they can put the movies on their service and then not always have them available for cable or public broadcasting but maybe have like special deals or something i don't know just around the christmas holiday or whatever I think TBS loses the rights, so they'll revert back to Disney in 2024. Yeah, if I read that unless, story correctly, and then unless they buy, unless they sell the rights again, like it's, it, and those are just for the I think public broadcast rights because Netflix still has them, but they buy Netflix usually buys in shorter increments of time, like an, a year or like a a season, as yeah. opposed to like broadcast <laughs> who will buy them for like 10 or five year increments um, that's, that's interesting this is interesting to me I, I didn't think we'd, ha- we'd have the broad opinions that we do but Corey, is this going to start like are you a day one subscriber still or are you is, does this give you pause it doesn't really change anything for me in that regard i'm looking forward to the new content it is just a little odd from a pre-planning standpoint like i don't know like but it doesn't surprise me you know with tbs especially like there's no way they're going to want to let go of this thing and if they do want to let go of it they're going to make a pretty penny on it. So maybe Disney's just like, okay, we'll hold off. It doesn't really make that much of a difference, I guess. But, you know, technically it would make sense to have your act together for the streaming service. It's so bizarre because it was two years ago. I don't know exactly when in 2016 that they sold this to TBS, but it was in 2016. That's two years ago. They didn't know two years ago that they were looking to start a streaming service. And I know that they bought the technology to do it um, you know, months later, but it just seems like the timing of it all just seems really, really unfortunate to the point where it's like somebody, you can some somebody or some department really, really goofed up. Someone it, just wanted to make a quick buck. Maybe I mean, who doesn't want to make a quarter billion dollars? But geez, anyway, I, I, we've got a. Maybe they thought they could just buy out their contract. But then TBS knew that they wanted it for this specific purpose, so they might have asked for like more than they exactly. were willing to yeah. give, yeah, and then they were like, "Well, Disney for like a they bi- probably half a hit a number, back. yeah, where they were like, you know what, like instead of doing this, like they can wait a couple years because we're gonna have all this exclusive Star Wars content anyway, so we'll have they can watch it on TBS, and then we'll do something, and then." I don't know. And yeah, then they'll you, have You try to squeeze things. them for, for a, a lot of money. And if they don't want to do that, yeah. well, then you, you make them squirm a bit. That's that's just what you do with your competitors. But yeah, we, have, we have a... Yes, is definitely negotiating a position of power. Yes, so, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, they have all the cards. They, they have all the leverage in this situation. But we, we have a ban on watching movies on TV or Netflix in this house if I actually own the physical disc. That's the number one rule in this house. Like beyond... Treating people properly and like putting your garbage in the garbage. No, if we own it, 
you watch it there. You do not watch it on Netflix or on TV at all, or you're you're in trouble. That's it. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's jump into the real news here. So a rumor coming from making Star Wars. So I'm just going to take it as fact because they're awesome. That there is a live action the. The John Favreau live-action series is going to be about the Mandalorians after the fall of the Empire. And that's going to have an estimated $100 million budget for a 10-episode season. And then, of course, there was a New York Times piece later in the week uh, that... Uh, well, actually, you know what? Yeah, so New York Times reported a $100 million budget. And then on Thursday of last week, film producer Daniel Alter said he heard that it was even more than that. So we'll take that with a grain of salt, but... How do you guys, Corey, how do you feel about uh, the premise of the series, about being about Mandalore? I think it's pretty interesting, to be honest. Uh, like Favreau especially, taking the reins. I think we had actually even discussed this when we found out that Favreau was getting his hands on a project. Uh, it seems like he has an affinity for knowledge of Mando, so, you know, being pre-Vizsla. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's pretty interesting. And like the time period that they discussed as well uh, leaves us... I think it's three years after Jedi or so. Yeah. Now, if we take into consideration uh, production-wise, I think we'll get more Clone Wars first before we get a chance to, to see his show. So that could open some more doors storytelling-wise that could be interesting leading into this. Uh, and also, by the time we see the like Mandalore and Rebels, it's so fractured. It's like a fractured sh- shell of its former self, you know? And at one point, you, you get the impression that they were such a grand society that stood in, on its own, like totally independent. So could be good to see that, like, uh, like that divided society kind of, you know, with like, it's almost like Game of Thrones-ish in a way to me, like, with the clans and the families and the war and where's their place now in, in the galaxy now that the Empire is gone. So, and plus it also leads into the epilogue to Rebels in a way where... You know, Sabine and Ahsoka are still around looking for Blueberry. <laughs> yeah. And, well, you know what's cool is that you know, these all, the synergies between these shows now, like you said, Corey, is, is really incredible with the Clone Wars feeding into Rebels. And for sure, there's things that are going to appear in Favreau's show that pick up on, on the Clone Wars and Rebels stuff. That, that to me, is really exciting. And I... Well, the the Death Watch divide in Man, Mandalorian... Like recent history is going to be, you know, they're so fractured as a society. Like that, how are they going to mend those those rifts and become one again? You know, maybe, unite yeah, under the that, dark that, saber. That could be the whole premise of it. Uh, Carlos, what's your take on this? Is interested or don't care at all? Um, no, I'm interested. I, I'm not more interested because it's Mandalore. I'm, it's the same interest level that I had uh, before knowing this news. It's not like um, uh, I have anything against. Mandalorians, but uh, I'm not uh, I'm not a, a huge fan of them per se. So, whatever, man. It's as long as it's um, I, I'm happy Favreau's doing anything. <laughs> Let's just say that, like, just the fact that he's doing anything. Uh, he's we're actually getting a a television show. Like, how do you guys? Does it, have you guys wrapped your head around it? Like, no. No, we're getting no, we're getting Star Wars TV show. Like, it's it blows my mind. Million, just, yeah, a hundred million man, ten episodes. Yeah, blows my mind. How did how it's did that like, number strike you at first? Was that like that's it, or was that like no. wow? No, that's big budget, man. 
I like I like yeah, the, I think I, there's, there's, Game of Thrones season finale was 20 million, but I mean, uh, if you average out their season, it's not that much more money. So, and Favreau, he's a, he's a seasoned uh, director. He's a seasoned movie maker. He's not going to be wasting money. It's going to be well done. Oh, I have no doubt about that. I, it, I This is going to be top, top notch stuff. Michelle, what's your take on this? Is this you're, you're down with this? Yeah, I think it should be cool. Um I also think it's kind of interesting that they're doing this whole like clone clone wars TV show kind of like connecting to the other TV show. I think like um, it'll be interesting to see kind of, I think where they go with it. And also like, I like that they're going to pick something that, you know, like we're not all like super, we don't, all feel strongly not all I guess that's a little bit too much of a generalization but there's a lot of people who don't feel they feel kind of like oh well I mean whatever I don't have strong feelings towards it or not towards it but I think the beauty of having an idea that starts like that is that um, through the creativity of the creator and the writing and all of that like I'm excited to see how they're going to make us care about it and make Mm -hmm. us excited for it because I think that that's kind of the beauty is like not knowing that they're going to give us something that we love like that's cool and I think Favreau has is definitely someone who will be able to do something like that it's kind of interesting you put it that way because when I take what Carlos said about yeah, I'm just happy that, that Favreau is doing something. That's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah. Like, I've always been sort of lukewarm on Mandalorians because I don't understand how their culture is set up across the Star Wars galaxy. So when... Exactly. When I so heard this about them, kind it's of... like, ah, but it's Favreau, so I'm down. Like, it, it's more on him and his team of creators than than the actual subject at this point. Yeah, exactly. And exactly in that in that vein of both you and, and Carlos is that, like, you know, they're going to, they're going to like by if they do pick this by doing that, they are going to explore these customs and the religions and the political structure and, you know, the economy and all of these things through the story. And we're going to be able to learn more about this planet and the people and why they are the way that they are and why they believe the things that they believe. And, you know, I think that could be really interesting. Um, and I, I feel like Favreau is definitely going to make us care. I mean, he made us care about Iron Man and now look at where that is. So, I mean, yeah, it's... Yeah. who cares, really? I think, like, <laughs> <laughs> I just think, like, it could be cool. So, I'm excited. Cool. Like, I'm kind of going into all of these things without, like, huge expectations. Because I always feel like recently with, the Dis- like, the Disney Star Wars films, like, I've gone into the theater just being trying to be cautiously optimistic and not trying to like come in, go in with these huge expectations. And I've always been really pleasantly surprised and happy with my experience because I'm kind of like open to them. Well, you, you got to leave the door that... open for them to give you something unexpected and, and surprising. Yeah. Like, well, again, just to go back to the beginning, uh, that film producer guy, Daniel Alter, when he said that, Oh, he heard the budget was even more. He also snuck in that, uh, that he heard there were big surprises in the show. And I think that in, in 2018, in, when talking Star Wars, that's kind of an empty statement to me because I think big surprises just comes with the territory. But I, that's that kind of spells it speaks to what you're talking about, Michelle, where I'm going to go in with an open mind and, and let them 
wow me instead of me bringing baggage to this and saying, I need you to fill, you know, check these boxes for me. Just tell me a story. Because you know what? What's cool about these Mandalorians, for better or worse, I suppose, is that, like, the whole thing with the Mandalorians, it, it can take on a life of its own because they are kind of, they are neutral. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, like, they, they kind of form their own semi-separate universe within the Star Wars galaxy. So they, they, yeah. they're going to be completely independent of Rebellion stuff and Empire stuff. It might play in on the fringes, but by and large, these guys are all on their own. So it can t- and I think, tell a whole I story. I think that's a cool thing to watch, too, because we're so used to this, you know, battle between these two sides. So be, to be able to see something that's kind of not involved with that is cool. And I also loved that in the article, it mentioned how um, Boba Fett and, oh, I can't remember the name of the other Django. guy. Blanking. Django. aren't are wearing Mandalorian armor, but they're not technically Mandalorians. So, right. like, how would Mandalorians view them, these people that have made a name for themselves that isn't necessarily super positive or anything? Well, I, I wonder if this is the is this a natural entry point to reintroduce Boba Fett to canon? I mean, it could be really interesting for them to do that. Um, I don't know if they would make Boba Fett like a main character, but like as a recurring character, that could be interesting. Because I know that because they do tell they did say all new characters, but that they didn't say that they weren't going to bring in cameo characters yeah, as sure, recurring. So I think, you know, it, there could be like a natural reintroduction, like be, at least by name. Um, and then maybe, you know, he might show up. Um, well, but like to be interested to see how Mandalorians view these people, like do they think that this person is kind of like a hero that isn't of them that they adopt or do they feel like they're being co-opted? Yeah, co-opted and, you know, like, well, Carlos, they're, they're, I'm, I'm it's like Carlos. orientalization, but it's called like Mandalorianization. Like, Yeah, well, I want to ask Carlos, how he, are you a big Boba Fett guy, Carlos? Do you care or is he just totally overrated to you? Um, I think people care too much about Boba Fett. Whether I care about him or not is, is I think it's irrelevant in the sense that He's a, he's just another character in Star Wars to me. He's just he's like he's like Lando. He's just a supporting character. Some people give too much credence, too much like, oh yeah, he's so cool. Yeah, he's so cool, but he It's the cool suit. And that's But yeah, but he he kind of bumbled around a bit and then fell inside a Sarlacc pit. Like we didn't see much cool from him except for like floating away with the garbage and and tricking Han. Like besides that we didn't well, see it, much it, from him. I, think I people... mean, that was the definition of, of headcanon, right? It was it was the, the in-betweens that you filled in yourself because the guy had this cool suit and it was Wookiee scalps and wow, how cool and how dangerous is this guy? That's all it is. Yeah, I think so. So I, I'm, would I be interested in learning more about him and seeing more about Yeah, absolutely. But at, at this point, um, you guys need to back off Boba. <laughs> back off Boba. Did you just title the episode? I probably did. <laughs> Actually, I actually think the Clone Wars kind of have shed a little more light on him. I watched a wicked episode. Like, disc four, season four of the Clone Wars was arguably the best disc on the the entire series, man. Like, it had Asajj, Maul's, uh, Savage. Like, everybody's on this this uh, 
this disc, but like Boba's running this mission, right? And he's got a different mask and he's a little older and he, like he's the leader of the crew. He's got like Asajj on his crew, Bosk, like all these bounty hunters and like he's leading the charge. It's actually pretty neat. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I couldn't, I, I could him. care less. Like to me, like he's done, man. Like the, the Sarlacc ate him. No, he's alive. <laughs> like, I think can- canonically he's alive. Really? I mean, I don't think he's appeared anywhere, but people like people in the know, people with power at Lucasfilm have said he's he's alive. Wow. I may be, I may be wrong about that, but I think even Lucas himself has said he's alive. Well, I know in the EU he was definitely escaped. He escaped the Sarlacc, but yeah. Um. Anyway, let's talk about the timeline here. Like, if the rumor about this is true, and it's only going to start filming in October, like, do you think this will be ready? Corey, do you think this is ready for December 2019? Absolutely not. Like, I think they'll they'll start production around that time, get prepared. But Favreau's going to have his hands absolutely full with the Lion King. So, well, yeah, I mean, I this... think well, it's important to remember Favreau's role, right? Like, I don't know, he's not directing. I think he's kind of overseeing the show, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't know if he's really there on the day to day. He has creative control, though. Yeah, yeah. I I just think there's just no way. If it's actually twenty January twenty nineteen, it's actually what like six seven months away. There's absolutely no way. That looks like they're still in early production of writing the story and whatnot. Like, yeah, like they're quite a ways off, I would think. Like once the streaming service comes, I think we'll get a little more information as to what's coming. But it, in my opinion, will not be anywhere close to ready for January 2019. Hmm. Well, that that was my gut reaction too. Um, uh, really quickly, Michelle, do you think it's ready for 2019? No way. No it's way? It's not. Carlos? Nope. Um, I defer. Okay, so he, he, I, I, that was my reaction too. I'm like, this can't be ready, or at least the whole thing won't be ready. And it that it depends on the approach. If they want to just drop the whole thing, then maybe I, I tend to believe it won't all be ready. But if they're gonna go, you know, we'll release an episode a week or something like that, then maybe they can at least launch, and then, uh, then continue and, and use those extra months to finish off. But here. I did a little bit of research for context here. Uh, so Daredevil Season 1. It started filming in July of 2014 and then wrapped filming in December of that year. The show then went into post-production and launched on April 10th, 2015. So that's about nine months from filming until release. And uh, Season 2 started filming in July of 2015 and released in March of 2016, which is about eight months. So they gained some efficiency. And Defenders, just to step it up a notch, started filming October 31st of 2016 and then wrapped March 19th, 2017 and then dropped on August 18th, uh, 2017. So it's a 10-month window there. So, How many episodes are they doing, though, for for um, Favreau? Do, ten, you, do ten, we know yet? 10 episodes. 10, right? Okay. So this is the key, right? So they we ha- we're, we're well in advance. So even if they start in October of 2018 to film that's 14 months until launch so i think there's time i i do think there is time but the thing is we don't know where they are in the development of the show at this point in time in in august of 2018 but uh, i gotta imagine the writers are hard at work banging out scripts and stuff like that but eight to ten months seems to be what it takes to get one of these types of seasons done and i i know that uh you know, Star Wars is much heavier in terms of effects, but they're they're throwing a lot of money at this. Like Daredevil budgets and Defenders budgets, 
They're like but, fifty to eighty million dollars a season. This is Star Wars might double that. We haven't even heard anything about a casting call as of yet. Like, no. you know what I mean? No, we haven't. And that's gonna take. That's probably taking a lot of time too. But also, like, just because it has more money, it doesn't mean that it's gonna run more efficiently. Oh and no! I, I, oh no! I realize that it can get to be a, a big bloated thing and be but completely disorganized. I think also, why, by like through talking about like how involved John Favreau is going to be, like he has creative control and he's probably not doing day to day, but it's also like he's been involved with Star Wars for so long. He's played characters in the TV shows as well as in the film. And this is the first live action Star Wars series, period, in the history of time. And he won that as his baby basically so i even if he isn't like he doesn't have to be super involved i have a feeling that just being such a fan like he would want to be as involved as he can be i agree with that and i just don't like sure he could totally not be there but realistically do you really think he's not going to be like super hands-on like when you're when like the amount of scrutiny and people's eyes watching like is going to be enormous. Like, this is a huge honor. Like, I have a feeling that he's going to want to be as involved as possible. And therefore, it's going to take more time because they want to make it perfect. Because this could also lead to, like, if this fails, like, they could not do another live action show. Or they could. Like, there's a lot riding on it, I think, in terms of, like, in the psyche of him, John Favreau. Like, he must be thinking, like, have all this pressure. And I feel like he would be as involved as as possible. No, I, I, I just think that, that, that that's that why. At, at least to kick it off, right? At least in those first yeah. really crucial big At least for the episodes. first season until they kind of figure it out and then he might kind of pull back a little bit more but I think that first season he's going to be like on set as much as possible, in the writer's room as much as possible or at least like, you know in constant contact with the writers and if the story isn't strong enough he would probably punch it up and I just kind of see that as at least the first season to kick it off. Like, I just, I feel like that's important. I do. I, yeah, you're, I think you're right, Michelle. But the other aspect to this is episode nine, because th- this should be launching right in the marketing cycle, the heavy anticip- anticipatory cycle for episode nine. Like, they're going to be, if, if this really does launch in December of 2019, that episode nine comes out on December 20th. Do they want to have those things clashing with one another? I I don't know that they do. Like, like what are you gonna do? Like, I'm I'm gonna go see episode nine opening night, but will I go again to see it the night after, or will I choose to stay home and hey, maybe I'm gonna check out the streaming stuff tonight? I, I don't know if Disney's gonna want to dilute themselves in that way. So maybe maybe just for that single reason, they say we'll 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 launch this Favreau show. In in spring of 2020. That's uh, that's another factor to consider here. All right, anybody else uh, want to chime in on that, or should we move on? Moving on. Move Favreau. on. Well, just Mandalorians in general, though. I'm pretty stoked if it is that. Just like you guys were all mentioning the the culture cultural aspects of what they are and like their space. You know, it's almost like like we have our own international borders and airspace, like. Mandos have really seemed to have kept on their own and they seem to be like revered and feared as like a warrior people in the history of the galaxy. So I don't know, there's a lot to play on there. 
Well, there is because I mean, we know about the dark saber and how that ties into the history of the Jedi. So that could play a part of it and still get that Jedi angle to the show. You know, we we still have there's maybe there's going to be fallout from Satine, and Pre Vizsla maybe factors into this. Maybe somehow an echo of Maul, even though he's dead by this point. Yeah, and Death Watch. Death Watch, again, like Boba Fett could could factor in. So there's lots of room here to uh, to tie into stuff we know, but still sticking to like really core Mandalorian lore. Which I, I find pretty interesting. I'm more excited the more we talk about it and the more we think about it. But uh, I, I, I really do next, Corey, you talked about casting call. I want to see some names attached to this. I just, I, that really helps. That helps to give it some, some extra credibility. But yeah, pretty cool. I'm, I'm down. Uh, all right, so let's, let's move ahead here. Comicbook.com had a little chat with Dave Filoni recently. And an initial Star Wars Rebels idea involved the Ghost crew discovering the Death Star plans. Hmm, which I, I find pretty interesting. So Dave Filoni had a pretty cool quote. He said, There were some really early on conversations with Rebels, Rebels about it being about them finding the Death Star plans. But as Rogue One came about and took shape, it was obvious we weren't going to do that story. I didn't want to do that story, frankly, honestly, with Rebels, because I thought I don't want their whole existence to just serve and hand off to another part of the plot. I want it to be its own story about this kid. Corey, I'm going to let you kick this one off. What do you take about all this? Well, you know, Mr. Filoni said it absolutely perfectly. Uh, I cannot disagree with him all that much. To With the time ri- timeline level Rebels played in... Uh, it kind of seems like an obvious reach to go for the Death Star, you know? And like you said, uh, I'm just glad they gave this crew their time to shine. Like, every character was so important to me. And in particular, like you said, Ezra, it's it's his moment in the sun, you know? And it's his story that's being told. So the amount... They, they just got it so right in that regard. Like, And the fact they did touch on the Death Star just enough, you know, like... We had Saw Gerrera, the Kyber Crystals. We also were on Geonosis, where the guy was even like drawing them the picture of the Death Star, but they didn't get it. They're like, "You're great, an egg. We we got gotcha. you." He's like, "No." But uh, yeah, I mean, it, to me, it was perfect. Like, let the crew and that story be told on its own and not be tied down by something else. But of course, within that timeline, it's for sure a conversation that would have come up in uh, in the story group. Yeah, I, I yeah, probably. Uh, Michelle, what do you think? Hello. Sorry, I was mute. Um, I think it's, yeah, I kind of, it's hard. Everyone's already kind of said it, but yeah, I'm glad that they're not doing it. Um, I just think that, you know, as, as Filoni said, like it was done really well on Rogue One and I can understand why he wouldn't want to do it and what he's saying about, you know, just existing to kind of supplement and pass on the bigger story to the can't like the head canon of the films like i just i don't think that the the well it the robs the, it robs a guy like feloni the opportunity to tell his own story like it's yeah it's, he's just yeah it's and he's doing fan fiction at that point exactly and i think that you know the the comics and especially rebels like it stands on its own and it doesn't need that 
Um, so I think that, you know, telling their own compelling story in the way that they want to tell it in their version where, you know, the focus of that series is this kid and his story and, and this family that he's created with the crew and it's not, it shouldn't, and like by doing the Death Star, they would be kind of diverting from that premise of that. This is the story about these, these characters and their journey in the universe and the galaxy and you know they don't need that thing well, yeah the attention comes off the characters and onto the, yeah. the thing that they're doing exactly and i think that you know it's cool to have people kind of do other things but i don't think they needed it to be like an entire season of that like i think how they they weave in these these characters from the films into the stories, like for example, Boba Fett or other things. Like I think it's important. Oh, well, that was Clone Wars, but like I'm just saying, like in they don't they have enough characters that are great, and I just think that you know Rogue One t- told the story in a really cool way, and I it makes sense for that story to play out on film. I think just because just Death Star is like part of the film. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that it made more sense to be. You got to get the Death Star on the big film. screen. Yeah, on the big screen. Like, it's just more of, it's visually kind of more impactful. Absolutely. Carlos. Yes, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) That's all our answer lately. I I know, I was on mute. (laughs) It's true. Um, I'm boring, guys. I'm really boring. I'm sorry. I agree. I agree with Michelle 100%. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'll clean sweep it then. I mean, I, but I do, I find this quote interesting and telling and I don't, I think Dave Filoni, obviously he's only speaking for himself, but I think he's probably echoing what a lot of filmmakers would say, like, especially one that ones that work in, uh, you know, well-known franchises with massive fan bases. Like these, these guys, they know, like they really do know what fans would prefer. Like they want, like. They could just ask Twitter. They can just go online and say, hey, guys, I'm doing a Star Wars series. What do you want me to do? What would you like to see? And you would get a bunch of really unsurprising, boring answers, right? Like, everybody's related to everybody, and the the Ghost crew should get the Death Star plans. Like, that is a thing a fan would suggest. And, like, we, of course, we would probably poop ourselves if we saw the Ghost crew go on a run to steal Death Star plans. Our sense of nostalgia and this this... A penchant for continuity that we all have would be completely lit up. But like Filoni said, like it, it serves another part of the plot. And I like that he had the discipline to say, no, like we're going to tell our own story and we'll nibble at these other things that you guys are familiar with, but we have a core story here to get to. And I, I do respect that a ton. Hell yeah. Long live Filoni, man. Like, God damn, that story is a story and a half. And the way he tied what he did with the Death Star into rebels as well as guys just a genius man he's all about star wars for me yeah for sure uh, and i think this this stuff also applies to, to the live action stuff as well like we as fans we can we can sit here all day and, and lazily connect uh, you know what's coming with what's already passed and we're we've, we're doing this with the upcoming season of clone wars right like and we're doing it with uh, the Game of Thrones guys, and we're doing it with Favreau series, all like all these things. Like we just did it tonight with uh, with Favreau series. Like how is this going to play into things we already know? That's pretty simple to do, but like just just to keep it in mind that when when new Star Wars stuff comes out, it's not necessarily going to exist 
as spackle for filling up the spaces between spaces. Like we just, it's not, it's, yes, we want that because we want to fill all those gaps in, but I don't think a storyteller, an, an auteur type storyteller like, like Filoni is interested in filling in spaces. He wants to tell a full story. And I, I do love that about, about uh, not only Filoni, but Ryan Johnson. They, they get it. Uh, another quote here from the story. Filoni says, I would say everything I do is always more gut. I mean, I like to think that at heart, I'm still a fan despite having done this for a long time. And that you just hope when you tell a story that people like... Sorry, let me read that part again. And that you just hope when you tell a story that people like the story you're telling as well. Then he added, That's all you can really gamble on because I can't make a story necessarily for somebody else in a way. You know what I mean? I can't take a bunch of data and say, Well, people are into this. Let's do it. I think some people are very gifted at that, but it doesn't seem to be something that I can do. I have to believe in what I'm doing and what I'm saying and try to make the characters come to life that way. Which is which is what we've just been talking about. Like, it's very easy to hop online and get a get a data or focus group together, find out what they want. But it's a, it's a shared universe. But the story itself is about the core characters and their quest. And I, damn it, I love Filoni for for being regimented that way. Amen. Anybody else want to chime in on this before we take a little break? I'll take I it. think Dave Filoni needs to stop wearing that hat. Oh yeah, you, you, dare you, sir? That's it. That's that's all. That's all I have to say about that. Well, in regards to that, we need a Dave Filoni Funko Pop with that hat. They're probably. Uh, I bet you it already exists. No, I know there's a custom one by. Oh, what's her name? Oh, she's such a nice girl on Twitter. She's a huge Rebels fan. She's actually interviewed uh, Dave Filoni as well. Must be Jonah Marie. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. If anybody has it, she does. Yeah, she made it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. All right, that's it for the news this week. We're gonna take ourselves a little five-minute break, but you guys are gonna hear from Dave Donovan this week, who's got a question in about uh, episode nine. So let's check that out while we go to break. Hey lads, I have a question. This whole rumor about episode 9 being split into two films, what if they make it episode 10? They could fill out the story, give it more landscape, give it more room to play, give it more kind of things to do. It could really fill out the story. But if you make it episode 10, I know it's an OCD thing, but like it would round the whole thing out and give it a finality. Um, I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Um, by the way, Richard E. Grant is playing Obi-Wan. Go look at that photograph. He's playing Obi-Wan. Let's not even pretend he's not. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And remember, we are some of us, we're all of us lying in the gutter. But some of us are tumbling sabers, tumbling throughout the stars. Bit of Oscar Wilde for you. Let me know what you think. Thanks. Dave. And there he goes from the Emerald Isle. It's Dave. Thank you, sir. So, guys, what do you think? 
what are we going to do about this uh, this rumor that's going around? Uh, we won't we won't talk about the source of the rumor because that would kill this discussion pretty quick. But what do you guys think? Do you think we can take episode nine as dense as it will be and stretch it into an extra film? Who wants this one first? If um, if it means that Dave Donovan's going to leave us voicemails every week, then I say go for it. I could listen to Dave talk for hours and hours on end. Let's get Dave to read an audiobook. Oh my God, it would be so great. Yes. <laughs> can we just submit like our collection updates to Dave and then he can record it as like our opening? <laughs> I like it. That way we're That's obligated to get stuff. <laughs> oh, Corey. Jesus. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a funny it's idea. Kind of like, um, you know, in like the TV shows, like the morning shows or like the kids shows when like the um, mailbox, like the mail guy, like the postman comes in and like Mr. Rogers and like, oh, you've got mail. He, oh, look, it's postman Sam or like whatever. Like it could be like Dave that would be hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Well, that's an idea for another day. But uh, Carlos, did you you had a pretty good take on this one? Well, yeah, I think, yeah, back in the day, I actually brought this up uh, either on Tumbling Saber or uh, on Sith Disturbers. I, I can't recall. It might have been on Talk Star Wars. I, I don't think so. I, I'm pretty sure it was here. And, um, yeah, I believe that um, because of the fact that Episode 7 and Episode 8 were so close together, there was no time jump, um, that we'd get a large time jump. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, I'm choking on broccoli. Good. <coughs> That's what you get for eating uh, broccoli like that. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> the uh, I think there would be such a large time jump, but because of it, there's so many unfinished... Um, I'm not going to say storylines, but like just so many uh, ends that need being tied up that it would have made sense for the movie to be three and a half and four hours long. And then in that case, why not split it up into two parts? So episode nine, part one, part two. And uh, if I do recall, I believe that was laughed out of the room. And uh, I, I distinctly remember booing and hissing. So <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if, uh, if you guys feel the same now or if you've softened on the idea. But uh, if, uh, if it's going to make Dave uh, send us more voicemails, then uh, let's do it. Well, I mean, who's, who would ever complain about more Star Wars? Like, if they, say, if they come out tomorrow and say, yeah, we've just decided that we've, we've got to oh, spread this out. So we're going to do episode, whether you, what do you, whatever you want to call it, chap, episode 9.2 or just Ugh. call it episode 10. Whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to complain, but I. I will. <laughs> you'll have your chance um i just i don't know like i feel like they're gonna s really stick hard and fast to the three trilogies of three movies apiece i think they they want to keep that sort of rhythm going i don't know if they want to stretch it out any further and are you okay with them having a three-hour movie for episode nine? <laughs> oh my god I, I can't talk to people who eat broccoli like this. This is ridiculous. It's so rude. <laughs> the, the eating broccoli or the act of eating Talking broccoli? Talking with your mouth full. I, I, it was done on purpose. Still, you know, we teach children not to do that. 
at the very beginning of their life for a reason. I thought it was pretty good pose. <laughs> it's comedy. <laughs> well, anyway, like, I've spoken about this before in the past where I thought maybe for the 50th, they would reopen the door and say, well, here's a surprise, everybody. And they would bring out Daisy Ridley and John, John Boyega and Oscar Isaac. We're going to do episode 10. Hooray. And that would be a, a big surprise coming out of uh, the Star Wars 50th anniversary celebrations. But now since Lucasfilm has labeled episode 9 the final chapter. I, In I, the Skywalker I, saga. Of the Skywalker saga. I just, I want to hold them to that. Like, if you have to do a three-hour movie, do it. Just... Just yeah, just just get it done in one movie. And besides, I think the ship has sailed, right? I don't know that they can suddenly go. Oops, we've got too much here. We're gonna have to break it all up. I don't know that that's how movie making really works. But I don't know, Corey. What do you think? I'm I'm kind of on the same page as all you guys. Like uh, more Star Wars, I'm down with it. But will they do it? I don't necessarily think so. Like you'd said, Kyle. Like they've called this the end, so. I, I just can't see them doing that. But in the same regard, I don't think it would so much really surprise me, although it would really seem like a cash grab for me. And it just depends on how much story they have to tell. Like, if the story needs to go on, it could be a very JJ thing to do. Uh, if they have more than four or five hours of story, like, granted, I, I'm the kind of fan that would sit there, just give me a 15-minute intermission in between, but they just can't do that. And, you know, episode X... You know, it's kind of a, it's got an allure to it, but it does. I don't know. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to fly, to be honest. But uh, well, I, I wouldn't necessarily be, fair, be opposed. To be fair, we've been told before this is the end, right? Like in the '80s, Return of the Jedi was the end, even though Lucas had already said, "Yeah, I've got other movies planned, and I'm going to do them one day." But really, that was the end. And then, of course, with Revenge of the Sith, this is the end. And now we're being told for a third time, this is the end. So who's really to say? But I'm, I'm anyway. Taking, it I'm would seem like a word. cash grab. It would. Like the Hobbit. Did they really have to stretch that into three movies? Could that have Absolutely gotten off? Absolutely not. No. That that could have been done in a couple movies, tops. One movie. Well, when you look at the size of the books, comparatively speaking, Lord of the Rings is exactly hugely worth three movies. The Hobbit is. Literally a third the size. It should, could have and probably should have been done in one epic film. That's it. It's more like – well, it's definitely less than one third the size. It's like one eighth well, the, when you put all three. Harry Potter did that as well, right? Their, fi their final chapter was split into two? Yep. Yeah, but that book was literally the size of three books. That's true. I, didn't, I never read the It was like a 900-page book, the last one. But still, like franchises like that, they see the value – in it you know like and it, it'll work in some degrees like it did with harry potter but yeah that's why it wouldn't surprise me but again i, I think they're gonna s stay classy san diego and just keep it with nine i think so i yeah lucas is always big on like the rhyming bit and all that stuff so i th it's gonna be three three and three and i i think that's gonna be the end of that x gonna give it to you <laughs> All right, what about Dave's other question about he said he's going to die on this hill. Richard E. Grant is playing Kenobi. Are you guys buying it? Michelle, are you buying it? I mean, he's like you mean as like the Force Ghost or like yeah, just 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I buy it because, like, he's the Force Ghost still right now. And, like, I don't I don't really see him as going back to Ewan in the sense of, like, because they all are appear in kind of their height of when they were doing well. So I think, like, there's nothing... I feel like Obi-Wan would stay older and not go back to when he was younger. Because I feel like when he was younger, he lost... He failed... He believed that he failed Anakin. So I don't think that it would be Obi-Wan. I would think that it would be... Yeah, I just it doesn't make sense the, to me. We've got the established Alec Guinness Force Ghost. Yeah. So so it would make sense to me. Yeah, like Ewan would make less sense to me. Uh, yeah, so. uh, yeah, exactly. Like that that Photoshop pic of him, and again, I don't know who did it. I, I don't know if it was done for our Facebook group or if it's just something that's out there on the web. Like that's enough for me to sell. Yeah. Like to have me sold on Grant playing like old man Ben. Like I'm that's totally. fine with me. Like, I and don't... that has nothing to say about, like, I don't like you and I love Ewan McGregor. Oh, I love course. him as Obi-Wan. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I think, you know, just it's established. So, yeah, like, I don't I need them to you. add 15 to 20 years to McGregor yeah. when Grant looks yeah. like he can do the part now. And it's, it wouldn't be a huge part anyway. So, like, I don't care if they add a new name to the mix. Like, if Grant can do and act like Alec Guinness and pull off the part, then do it. Like, I don't yeah. want to hear any crying or complaining about it. Oh, it's going to have the continuity with McGregor. I don't want to hear it. Like, it's been played, that role's been played by Stephen Stanton, Alec Guinness, Ewan McGregor. It's, it's, what's one more name? Like, they've all worked out pretty damn well. I would trust them if they said, yeah, this guy's going to do our, our, our Kenobi bit in, in episode nine. Great. Fine. It, he looks like he can absolutely slam dunk that role. Done. So, Corey, do you agree with that or are you, where are you on this one? Wow. Um, well, you oh, guys kind of just... Forgot, I forgot to mention James Arnold Taylor. So that's another name that's done Kenobi. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, a lot of what you're talking about is in animation and stuff. So to me, that's a t- totally different beast. But uh, I saw the beard pick. What you guys have just said is really, like, toned down, I guess, the, the sentiment to my, my stuff here. Like, kind of swayed me a bit, I guess. But uh, to me, at first, my, my first note when I first thought about it was, like, absolute blasphemy. Like, no, I saw the beard pick. Like, I get that it makes sense. But it, to me, it was like you and her GTFO, man. Like, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I guess whatever. I mean, it is what it is. I, I personally do not think that's the case, even though the similarity there in that Photoshopped image was pretty uncanny. I just I, I personally don't think it's him. I think he's going to play an imperial role. Uh, that seems to be also like a lot of the consensus anyhow like i could see hux needing some kind of guidance in the army aspect now that snoke's gone and all that so, so someone you know even not higher than hux but really running the show behind the scenes even though hux has the title that's that's kind of the, what i'm thinking but um yeah i i could st- i guess i could buy it i would buy you in in a second as well yeah no and, I, I think i i think i i maybe this is my bad like Dave, Dave's for sure in on Kenobi, for Grant as Kenobi. I'm, I if they do that, I'm down. I'm so perfectly fine with that. My, I, I believe that Grant is not going to be Kenobi. Oh, same. I think he's going to actually be 
a first order officer or somebody on the bad side of things. That's my that was my thought a couple of weeks ago, and it's still my thought now. But if it turns out he's Kenobi, great. I am absolutely perfectly fine with that. So, Carlos, Same. what's what's your take on this one? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of on board with you. I I I, I, I know that uh, you know he's the age now, and it would make more sense. I still kind of I still love you and McGregor. I love we have, we have all kinds of love for you and we're going to let's let's face it we're going to see him on screen sometime. Yeah. As I know. But if they can they're, they're so good at de-aging, uh, they can they can easily age him if they need him in in a role. And let's be honest, if there's if the Obi-Wan role in episode 9 is bigger than just the Force Ghost smiling at the end, I might be uh I might lose uh, I might lose my crap. So uh, let's just hope that this actor, who's who's a, a very good actor, has more than one or two uh, two spoken lines in the movie. So yeah, give him give him a baddie, give him a baddie uh, role as opposed to uh, taking Ewan McGregor's place. <laughs> he typically does play a lot of really great villains, so it just seems like. That's good casting. I don't natural that he would play a villain. I've even I've seen a lot of people put forth possibly even Thrawn, and I was like, <laughs> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really want to see Thrawn. No. <laughs> yeah, not here. He has no place here. No place at all. And I'm I, I'm trying not to let my. I've got I've I've come around on Thrawn a little bit thanks to alliances, but. No, he doesn't. He doesn't belong in this story. Not at this point. I'm sorry, nope. he doesn't. Uh, so yeah, Dave. I don't know if that if that if you agree or with our answers or or if we just completely crushed your heart. So, Either I, way, I, send us an email and tell us how you feel. <laughs> Not an email, a voicemail. Excuse me. Send us a voicemail. It could be an email too, though. With with a with an audio clip in it. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> send the audio clip by email. <laughs> All right, Dave, thank you very much, sir. Hope to hear from you again soon, at least for Carlos's sake. Please. And we have to uh, wish a happy birthday to Matthew Keegan, everybody. <gasps> oh, happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> All right, well, he, he sent us an email last week, which we didn't get around to, so I promised him we'll do it this week, so let's get to that. So he writes, what type of planet would you like to see in episode 9? Or if you have ideas of what the Game of Thrones guys may film or what Ryan's trilogy could be, what type of topographical features would you like to see in those films if they wouldn't suit episode 9? I've always looked, liked the, the look of Maegito with its dark crystalline features and snowy mountains and gorges. But we've seen this already on film, so my pick is a live version of a planet similar to Christophsis from the Clone Wars, although people may be over crystals after The Last Jedi. All right, so what do you guys think? Michelle, what, what type of environment or planet would you like to see put to film? Um, I wrote a couple down. Um, I thought, um, well, in terms of uh, the crystal thing that, uh, he, that he brought up, I thought um, there is a planet called Ilum, I think, or Ilum, Ilum. and it's a yeah. Ilum, yeah. 
uh, I wrote, like, I didn't write my eyes differently, so I couldn't tell if it was a lowercase I or uppercase. Wait, what? I don't know. Anyway, it's a remote ice planet where the crystals that focus lightsabers are mined. So, like, it has a story element that's cool, and also it has the crystal thing that Matt was, like, kind of into, and I thought that was kind of cool in terms of story. Um, and... Like, I like forest planets, but I feel like we've seen a lot of those. So, for me, I thought, like, seeing, like, a water planet might be kind of cool. Um, so, uh, I had a couple written down. I don't know which ones they are anymore. Well, oh. on your... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, it's okay. What were you going to say? I was going to say, uh, Ilum... Now, I don't know if it's confirmed, but I think it more or less is. Ilum is Starkiller Base. Ooh, I love Starkiller Base. So there you go. Ilum, Ilum, like the Empire. Yeah, they alluded to that, no? They they mined the crap out of it, and then the First Order just took what's left and, and carved it into this gigantic weapon. But yeah, I, I don't know that it's officially 100% confirmed, but I think there's a lot of breadcrumbs that can lead lead you to that conclusion. Um. So there's uh one place that's this aquatic planet, and it's called Pilio, and it was kind of featured in Battlefront, but it's this uncolonized aquatic planet with over three million species, and it's a location of one of Pal- Palpatine's observatories. Um, and I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I just kind of want to see some water. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it would be interesting and something different. Like, what is... What is like a watering, like a an uh, aquatic planet in the Star Wars universe? The universe look like like what kinds of creatures live there, and how do they like have Kaminoans. humans? I know, like I thought it'd be kind of cool. Kaminoans live um, on a water planet. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, I find it. Oh boy, this is this is insensitive, but I find it really funny that the Californian wants to see wants water. the water planet. <laughs> how are those forest fires, Michelle? Um, are you breathing in smoke? Can you? They're you bad, but they're in they're in NorCal. They're closer to to um to San Francisco. But we had really bad ones like last year too. Like the Getty was pretty much all burnt and stuff. I don't know. There's also That's that cool. um, forest planet called Malastare that does the pod racing that I think is kind of cool. So I just want to see like pod racing through. Like the trees, like up neat. high, oh, that, that would be, be cool. pretty. That's yeah, that's the uh, biker scout chase on on steroids. Yeah, like I thought that would be super super cool. So I I'd want to see that. But I mean, I'm just picking places that I feel like could kind of host like a fun or interesting story or like a cool scene. That's kind of what I'm. That we haven't seen in the main films yet. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm into. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, I'll have a different take than that, but they're all fair takes. Carlos, what do you what do you got? Um, so I look at the thing I love about Revenge of the Sith is that it gives us a lot of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Unique, especially yeah, unique places like during the Jedi Purge. Yes, sir. and and uh, there's one planet I, I don't know what the name is, but um, the Twilight Jedi who Felucia. they're, they're walking. Yes, who's uh, she's uh, assassinated around uh, like a field of luminescent flowers. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. pretty. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know the name of that planet. Pandora. And, uh, no, that's it's Felucia. <laughs> I know. I'm joking. Well, I, I never and, know if you're listening or not. 
Oh boy. What? <laughs> Anyways, so uh, so there's that one. And where does Kiari uh, Mundi bite it? Like I don't know where he no. he bites it, but it was it was kind of like snowing a little bit. He was kind of like on a bridge. Yeah, and I, I, can't, uh, I, don't, I can't remember the name of that planet. Anyways, so like I'd it's I'd love called to Magito. Oh, that's Magito. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. See, Kigo, we're on the same mind meld, mind meld. We're mind melding. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so. Those are the two that I would uh, that I would love to see more of. Uh, but uh, you know what? I, I really want to see more of Jack. Who? No, you don't. No, I don't. I really, really don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carlos, I am on that exact page with you. Like that that Order sixty six purge sequence. I, you mentioned Felucia. I'm going to add uh, Kato Nemoidia to the mix. That's where Plo oh. Koon gets shot down. Just the, those like those cities built between like bridges. Yes, yes. Like I want to see something crazy like that. I feel like the the, the environments, the planets that we've gotten in the in the sequels, they've all been very close to what we've got from the OT. And I feel like the creators feel very beholden to the OT. And I just want them to get a little bit crazier. Go do something like the Ring of Kafreen, like like Felucia and and Ketonimoidia. Do something nuts. Get imaginative. Like use use all the computer CG graphics, all that stuff. Put it to to work. It doesn't. I, I don't. Do you guys feel like they're, they're just JJ's and Ryan a, uh, Ryan Johnsons are like such OT devotees that they're maybe afraid to break the mold a bit. Depends if it's pertinent to the story, really. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, it's cool to incorporate. When you start thinking about alien planets and whatnot, like, it's got to be pertinent, pertinent to the moment. So if they're trying to tell a certain tale, they might want to keep things a little more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, I'm not a storyteller, so this stuff doesn't enter my process when I think about these questions. But, like, well, Corey, what, what do you want? What, what's something you want to see? Well, first of all, I want to touch on his... Uh, game of thrones guys thing like when i think about them i always think fantasy medieval for some reason well for some reason i guess game of thrones but uh now that we've got this pretty strong rumor of favreau's show that to me plays in the theater of game of thrones more so i I can't even venture a guess as to where they're going to go uh but you guys kind of alluded to this like the landscapes in star wars are, are so beautiful we've had lava planets winter worlds water worlds desert planets like Forest Never moons. say Waterworld. <laughs> I knew you'd say it. I knew it. But uh, yeah, like <laughs> we just we've seen it all, man. We've really been spoiled in that regard. Um, I, I really like what um, Matt had brought up in Christophsis. Like, I love those mystical planets that have these kyber crystals and stuff like that, or possibly it's almost as if the planets are an entity onto their own in the sense that they have access to the world between worlds, like. Certain worlds seem a little more connected to the forest than others, so I know it's kind of a little bit of a stretch, but I think that's really interesting. Uh, but I, I was on the same page as, of, as Michelle originally, like a little more, a few more water worlds. Uh, we got Camino, like Kyle said, and Naboo. Yeah, and the, we also the, saw, the, Gunga, the un- underwater city. Yeah, but we also saw we also saw Moncala. Big, there's a huge like two or three part arc there. Which was actually really good, but that's the first time we actually see them underwater, and that's kind of what I was talking about. Like visually, I think they're that could be pretty interesting and something not explored on live action that much. Mon calamari. 
but what, what Kyle was saying from the imaginative aspect and a visual aspect, I would really love to see something live action like what they did with the with Concord Dawn, where the planet it's in the Mandalorian system kind of, and the planet's been like fractured. Like I think like a third of the planet's gone pretty much, and I mean it's still there's still life on the planet and all that, but like the debris fields all there and like just I don't know I think that 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 visual would be so cool like the horizon always seems to be like almost like Asgardian where like you could see the planets and the meteor field and like just the space basically so I think the spectacular view could be like I don't know it's something pretty cool and in that regard as well like when something like that happens like granted like the, the world would be destroyed if you're really thinking about it most likely from a scientific aspect but the fact that it is still existing like I would like to see that have an effect on gravity because we never really see that in star Wars. It's like every planet they go on, uh, we got gravity same, but imagine like Jedi's fighting in like either high gravity Zero situation gravity. or like, yeah, like a low yeah, gravity so. situation. Like man, the action there could be pretty intense. I wrote, I made a note for like gravity too. I always think like weird gravity stuff is really cool. And like people don't really explain it in space stuff. Cause it's just scientifically. Now we just kind of accept that, you know, the technology is there and we've seen so many space movies, but I always love when films, they play with, you know, turning off or turning on a gravity thing. And it's just so cool to see that and to see fighting in a fighting sequence or like a chase would be really cool. Yeah, like jumping like up a, a mountain, you know what I mean? Like just being able to yeah. leap like 200 feet at a time or something, you know. Do you know how many complaints would probably stem from that? Like just look what happened with the bombs in The Last Jedi. Like, we're watching The Matrix or what, man? Why are the bombs falling in space? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That's kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah. Why Whatever. are you here bothering me? Log off. <laughs> and, and one last thing, like Kyle said, too, the, the city planets. I, I read a few, like, EU novels with Jason and Jaina for, um, like, Coruscant. And, like, the levels below, like, the city was just built on top of cities, on top of cities, which every lower level was kind of, like, its own world which is kind of cool and we n- we've never really like delved into the cityscape that much like yes we've you know when on uh attack of the clones we kind of landed for a bit other than that like we've had like mostly like outer rim kind of like small city situations but i want to yeah. see like crowded cities where like what's going on like like i really loved that early sequence in uh, rogue one where um they were kind of going through at the very beginning when um, Diego Luna's character yes, is like yes. kind of going through everyone and the mercy like, murder. Yes, that I love <laughs> that. I thought it was really interesting to see that kind of like scene or like place yeah, in Star the, Wars. The, the Ring of Kafrin. It's a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit more gritty. Like it kind of reminded me a little bit more of like the Expanse or kind of like uh, like Doctor Who. Um, I just kind of love that like weird underground vibe just because I, I like seeing because we do hear like, OK, Han's a scoundrel and like there are these people and we've kind of only seen like the upper echelons so far because everyone's kind of like connected to someone powerful who's ruling or not ruling and kind of being able to see the underground of that is pretty cool on live action. And I, I thought it was cool to see like, you know, that different vibe. Absolutely. I mean, I, there, there's so much room for them to do something cool. And I, I really hope they take the opportunity to make something really unique. Like, look how weird Utapau is. It's just 
All the cities are built inside the walls of sinkholes. Like, what a cool idea. Such a cool idea. Like, and also that. what what uh, Corey was saying about, like, different levels of, like, um, cities on top of cities, it kind of reminded me of this Doctor Who episode where they were in a spaceship and there were many levels and then the the passage of time was different per level. Like at the top one minute would be like years at the bottom. And that's like something like that would be kind of, but they're like a star Wars version of it would be kind of cool. Cause like the idea of like how science affects that in space so differently, like, I don't know that that would be cool to like, like have a planet that's like has weird time things. Yeah. It's just, I just, I think that that creative aspect of it, like you said, Kyle, and so did Carlos. I just kind of love that idea. I think that they're only limited to their imaginations, man. Like, like if you think of an entire galaxy, like the planets that we could potentially see and how backwards they could potentially be is really interesting. Like I want characters to get messed up. Like what's going on with this planet? Like, why are we all upside down? Like, yeah, and like weird things like the the flowers that Carlos was talking about, like mm-hmm. that are just like fluorescent. Like that's really cool. It's kind of like that lake with like bioluminescent fish that like at times mm-hmm. like will pop up, like that kind of stuff. Like it happens in nature. So I feel like, you know, they're so, so creative at Lucasfilm and in Star Wars, like to come up with their version of something that's similar to that would be cool uh, to see just kind of something visually arresting because it like lightsabers and everything the original films and also you know the prequels were so beautiful and so colorful so kind of to see some of that weave back in would be cool i totally totally agree i I don't know if i want them to get start getting into the science part of it all because that that just that opens the door for, for needless nitpicking and criticisms but i do desperately want them to to strike out with with creativity and make something completely nuts and unique this trilogy needs that like when you think of what we have we've we've got jakku which we've seen before in tatooine uh takodana which is very typical it's it looks a bit like yavin 4 endorish foresty type place um we had crate crate is reminiscent of hoth as as is star killer and then Canto Bite, we saw. Yeah, Canto Bite is looks like it kind of unique. Cool. Well, but it's yeah. still a desert planet. It's Vegas. Come on. It's Vegas, it's but Vegas, it's, baby. But in, from inside the casino, it's it's almost Coruscanty. It's mm-hmm. that's an oasis. I would give Canto Bite actually marks for being the most unique because it's 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 a very like the cityscape of it all. Is is yeah different? It's, it's sort of Nabooish, yeah, and it had those really high kind of cliffs because, like, where they the animals kind of run off, and then that uh, yeah, they climb the, the cliff, those cliffs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 and then um, Benicio del Toro comes out with the little jet from like behind the cliff when they run out to the edge, and then they get saved. Yeah, and, kind and of you also those see big the uh, cliffs that, that and big... the ocean and. The, the yacht that sort of is on yeah, water and yeah. then takes off before it yeah, goes that's, over the waterfall. That's, yeah. that's something we've that was seen. Cool. Yeah. So that's that's and, cool. If you though, look at the planet from like when they land into the system, you look at the planet and there's just that one little quadrant of the planet that's actually opulent. Like the rest is like a mm-hmm. dirt dust all bowl. Just, yeah. It's yeah. just, and that's actually so similar to 
to islands in our world that are based on tourism, like Jamaica and other places where it's the small part that's really developed, that's super rich and everywhere else is so poor, which I thought is really interesting. I can, I can absolutely speak to that. Yeah. It's, they have same with Thailand, Chiang Mai. Yeah. All these places are hyper developed and they're the best places in the world, but you drive 20 minutes off off resort and you're like uh yeah and i feel like canto by kind of put that on steroids almost and it was really kind of interesting to see because when you first see it it kind of makes you think like oh this looks like our place like our our planet like what it would be similar to but it also is different too and i i just thought that was really interesting the more i sat with it yeah i I agree I, i just want jj this time around at least to just lose some of that hard, hard wiring, I think. Like lose that yeah, some I of that. Agree. Um, what what I believe. Maybe I, I'm just having another edition of my big ignorant mouth. But just lose some of that uh, <clears throat> loyal not loyalty, but the hard hardwiredness to the OT. It doesn't have to look exactly like that. It doesn't have to be that faithful. Like George right. wasn't faithful to the OT when he did the prequels. He no, just, he went completely bananas with his imagination. Do that now. I'm repeating myself, but I think it's important. Anyway, Kigo, hope you have a great birthday, my friend, and enjoy that uh, Vader Black Series helmet. It's a beauty. Yeah, seriously, that's true, eh? Man, oh man, is it nice. Have we seen Dathomir on, like, the big screen yet? No, right? No, that's coming up. Yeah, that's what I Hopefully. Just in Clone Wars. Yeah, in Clone Wars. Oh, that was so cool. And Malachor, too, like you guys had mentioned, too, just mm. touching back on, the, on those crazy Jedi planets or whatever it is. Like, Malachor seems to have quite the history. Mysticism. <laughs> Sorry, my dog just, like, freaked out. <laughs> like, Shut up, Corey. You and your mysticism. Campfire mystical boats. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. that's uh, We're done. We're done for another week. We have I a question that- from... From Mr. Canto Cast, we're going to push that ahead until our next episode. But the, that... is it Seinfeld related by any chance? You're just gonna have to wait and find out. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> just curious. <laughs> okay, guys, we are out of here for episode 139. Thanks everybody for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Let us know what you think. You can chime in into the closed Facebook group. And if you're listening for the first time or second time, and you haven't yet joined us in our Facebook group. Just come on knocking the door. We're going to let you in and you can have a whole bunch of Star Wars fun. Uh, but uh, for now, we're going to say goodbye. But before we do, we're going to do a little tour and say where can we find each other on Twitter. Michelle. You can find me on Twitter at tediously underscore brief and also on Instagram. And you can find um, all of my book blogs and photos of my collections and uh nerdy things at traveling book nerds on instagram and you can find me on facebook uh michelle grandine just my name and i think that's it and Corey, well i look forward to interacting with anyone and everyone at chop rules with a z and carlos y'all can find me at c candido music on twitter and facebook uh, sorry, Twitter and Instagram. On Facebook, it's just my name, Carlos Candido. You can follow my music page. 
give it a like. Uh, you can also uh, check me out at um, www.patreon.com slash Carlos Creates. Uh, we've been having fun uh, in the, the campaign so far. Uh, we're up to uh, nine patrons. Ooh, so One more. Cool. I think one I have more. to be the 10th. I'll be the 10th. Go do it. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. <laughs> put your, uh, put your <laughs> money where your foot is. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then we're going to give away an extra little, uh, little tidbit. Uh, but, um, the prize draw of this month is a, uh, Carlos Candido, uh, music, uh, angels EP t-shirt. That's uh, super soft. If we're on Sith disturbers, I would have used a different, uh, adjective. But, um, yeah, so just uh, follow me and uh, come aboard, man. We're having a good time. Carlos is starting to get that wheel turning. I, every morning I wake up and I check my phone. I see a bunch of Patreon updates. Some of them are from TSW, of course, and some are from Mark. And Carlos is getting in there now. So my, my Patreon app is is lighting up like a, like a Christmas tree. But go support Carlos. Check him out. Thank you. And uh, we are also on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash tumblingsaber, and you get a slew of podcasts for your patronage and your support, and you get access to our monthly prize draws and all kinds of other fun stuff that we do. So go support us there if you enjoyed our podcast. If you think uh, if you think our efforts are worth the price of a cup of coffee, then we got the website for you at, at uh, Patreon. So go check that out. And also go check out our friends at the Star Wars Commonwealth podcast network and uh again we have our 10th member in retro inc with with adam and andy so you can check out their awesome podcast on starwarscommonwealth.com as well as on itunes as a podcast provider and that'll really do it for this week so my thanks to kigo and dave for the questions this week and also to jeff from CantoCast. we'll get to that question next week but that's it for now um oh also a special program programming announcement I am on vacation this week. I do not want to look at my computer again. So for the next seven days after this podcast drops, you're not going to hear a thing from us. We're done for a week. Out. Done. Don't talk to me. Don't at me. I'm out of here. That's it. That's, in, that's unless I can uh, huh. I grab I grab the keys and I yeah. break into the studio. Yeah, I'm down. But then Kyle says you have to edit yourself because he's not doing it. We're gonna, do, we're gonna do unedited. We're gonna go unedited. We're gonna we're gonna release it on the Patreon. How about that? We'll have fun with we're, that. We're, we're gonna go live. <laughs> live from the Tumbling Savior Studios. <laughs> it's the Christmas special, not produced by Corey. <laughs> from the, Corey, the not idea edited. Guy. <laughs> yeah. The writer. Come on. <laughs> All right, everybody. All right, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But for me, I am tapping out for the next seven days. I I suppose if something really big and cool happens in Star Wars, uh, I will jump back in. But uh, I am looking forward to disconnecting from the web and all the craziness that is that is Star Wars fandom and podcasting and all that stuff. I just uh, I want a few days of quiet, not having to think about this. So uh, that's it. Enjoy. Shut your face, you. <laughs> Throttle me over there. <laughs> oh, I forgot to say something. Um, I want to... Thank everyone at Tatooine and Sons um, for sending me a hashtag make Turbis Cannon sticker. <laughs> I put it on my computer and I'm going to post a photo like tomorrow. <laughs> nice. So cute. Nice job, nice. Dave. All, All right, guys, one. that's it. Hope you enjoyed episode 139. Hang around for episode 140, which will come around uh, at some point in the future. Not next week, but the week after. And uh, enjoy. 
enjoy uh, enjoy my time off for me. That's where I'm going to be. That's it, guys. We're out of here. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Struggle for the answers, questions frighten me. Circles getting wider, it's harder just to see. Your voice is saying